I did not. So I did the GBC 10 in 10 the month before, the month before that, uh, which I averaged under three, sub three hours, uh, but it was a multi-terrain course. And then... Was that the Great Barrow Challenge, yeah, was it? Yeah. It is, yeah. And then I took part in a 7 in 7 in the UK, averaging around... 2.45 and it finished on the Sunday or the Monday or something like that and then I started this on the Thursday so I didn't have much of a gap so I didn't expect to be running as fast as I did. Went out there, they were fantastic, well supported, helped because they try and speak English for me um, and then the first day I think it was 2.54 and then every day up to day 6 I got faster and faster and then day 6 I did a 2.54 37, I think it was, or 236. That, my friend, was Adam Tango Holland. And this is the Inspiration Runners Podcast. Hey, everyone, hope you're all well. My name's Robbie Marsh, and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. Sorry for the delay. I've struggled to get out an episode due to the amount of time it's been taken to edit a podcast due to poor sound quality. This episode fell victim to it. And although it feels like a short question and answers episode, which isn't usually my style, it is the result of cutting out quite a bit of detail due to poor sound. It's still a great episode with the Finn McCool Challenge virtual leader, Adam Holland. He is such an unassuming gent who holds numerous world records, which includes the fastest accumulative time for 10 marathons in 10 days, with an average time of 2 hours, 45 minutes and 24 seconds for each marathon, which is absolutely mind-blowing. There's a lot that can be taken away from Adam's simplistic approach towards running. Sometimes we just get bogged down in the do's and don'ts and we can forget that the most important thing is just to lace up and run. You've waited long enough, so I'm not going to hold you up any further. It's with great pleasure I give you Adam Holland. You were the youngest person to reach 100 marathons in Europe. Yes, because when I did the challenge... I didn't know of anyone else who'd done it. Uh, the youngest at the time was Steve Edwards at the age of 28. Uh, but over in the States, apparently, there was a young lad who did his 100th on his eight, well, when he was 18. Because over there, they start before they're 18. Over here, you're not allowed to. Yeah, that's a bit mental, though, isn't it? So what was the catalyst to that? Just because I could do it. I was on the way back from a half marathon with my friend, and we just happened to be talking about it, and he was on about... He would like to do 100 before, I think he was over 50 or 60. And I, at the time, you could actually text Guinness and they would send back an answer. And I messaged to find out who the youngest was to do 100. And like I said, Steve Edwards at the age of 28. Uh, kind of worked out that I needed to do 13 a year to be able to break that record or at least equal it. Yeah, that, was, then, that was pretty unique though, wasn't it? Like to have that mindset back then. What age were you? I would have been... Just turning 20. Yeah, so 23, you completed the 100 marathons. Yep. Um, I'm pausing here because God to think what I, what I was doing when I was 20 years of age. So how did you manage to find so many marathons? Well, over the years, there just seemed to be more and more marathons popping up. And there are, there's practically, well, was until all well, this blew up. Um, there was almost a marathon at least, three or four days a week which was your first marathon that you ran then abingdon and how did that go rubbish rubbish because you went out with a huge challenge like it's like this is number one of 100 was that your mindset then was that your first marathon no i started after my sixth 
after your sixth. <laughs> so you took your time then. Yeah, so uh, when I was 18, I did Abingdon. Then the year after, I did two. One of those was London. And then, I'm not how I'm the other Cornish, I think, or something. Yeah. And then the year after that, I did three. And then the year after that, I decided I'd go for the record and did 25. Then 39, and then 35 to complete on the 10th of the 10th of London 10. Was that uh, the start then of a real deep obsession with running? Uh, I guess so. An expensive obsession, but... <laughs> Have you always run then? Like, did you always run when you were in school, even before you ran a marathon? More or less. I did the school competitions. I only started running kind of a little bit in primary school because my friends did it and then kind of grew into it. But I was playing football and hockey uh, as I was growing up. So you mentioned then moving into your first marathon, like it went absolutely rubbish. So talk me through that experience. All I can remember is I struggled, especially the second half, because the furthest I'd ever run was a half marathon. And um, I think it was either the Thursday or the Friday of that week, and the marathon was on the Sunday. And my friend turned around and said, do I want to go and do it? And I just turned around and said, yeah, why not? And the first half was fine. I remember that second half being tough. And I think someone gave me a top or a banana just to keep me going. Uh, it wasn't slow as such. It was, I think, 3.32 I finished. But, um, yeah, it was an experience. But I wasn't one of those that said never again. Not that I remember. Yeah, so 3.32, that was pretty good, especially with the lack of training. You obviously had a bit of a background there from the sports that you were doing. Um, but that was that was a pretty good time, like just to sort of line up at the starting line and push out your first marathon at 3.32. Um my next one, I applied for London, and I didn't get in, so I applied for the club place. A few people weren't happy because obviously it was 18. I would have been 19 when London happened, and I was one of the lucky ones that got pulled out of the hat, and I just wanted to kind of prove that I deserved it, and I ran a 251. Like, at 19 years of age, running a 251. Um, so what did you do then? So that was a great motivator for you, obviously. What type of training? Like, did you just do loads and loads of miles back then? Not really. I didn't really, <laughs> didn't really do much training either. Um, I'd do it now and again. The training sessions were Tuesday and Thursday. And I would sometimes go on a Tuesday. And if I went on the Thursday, it was usually for the four-mile time trial. Okay, so very competitive then. You must have been going out full gas. Yeah, I'm quite competitive. <laughs> yeah. He says with a huge grin on his face, like... Um, so moving into 100 marathons then, so you'd already done six marathons. You mentioned a year there you'd done, like, was it 39? Uh, yeah. And you were around 20 years of, 21 years of age then when you'd done that, 22? Yeah, going on 22. So how did your body fare up with that? Because <clears throat> you do hear people saying about people running marathons when they're younger, etc. Like, you know, if you read a textbook, it would tell you to run a couple of marathons a year. You're like 22 and you're running like 36 marathons. I got used to it. My body got used to running the distance. I did 
didn't always put everything into it or I'd run really fast at the beginning and then I could run the second half slower and that's kind of how I learned for the 10 marathons in 10 days where I ran the first half faster and the second half like a recovery run yeah that's that's abs- I just can't get my head around that like at 23 years of age like running 100 marathons um I suppose it was that era of marathon explosion you know, 20 years ago, it was very difficult to find marathons, but there's marathons, as you say, almost every single day now. Like, how did that feel then when you ran and finished 100 marathons and you'd broken the world record? Uh, absolutely amazing. I've got a lovely picture of me running down with my arms in the air. Uh, I finished second in under three hours, and it wasn't a flat course as well. For those who know the Eden Project Marathon, it's quite hilly. Like, where do you go from that at 23 years of age? You've just run 100 marathons. That's it. I didn't know where to go with that. I got faster, so I did like a track marathon in 2.37. I think that was either my 101 or 102 marathon. Uh, so I knocked quite a bit off. And then I think I only did like five or six that year and the same the following year. And then it just snapped and I jumped up to like 52 and then uh, around that area again. And I think a 64 one year. Like how was your body faring out going through that then? Like fifty-two marathons, you just—I know you said during the hundred marathons your body's just adapting. Like, were you struggling at all through it? Like, even from a time perspective, like you're running a marathon every every week. No, I, I knew that my body was tired at times, and I was tired because I would often like get a train or a bus to wherever it is the night before sleep on the road or sleep on on a bench or something and then do the marathon in the morning right. and you're training in between that then because obviously you're running a marathon almost every week i'm assuming that your your training regime wasn't that intense during the week i didn't have a training regime during the week at that point i was working at a news agent's and I was delivering newspapers in the morning, so I was cycling my bike every morning. And, um, well, even from working at news agents, I was cycling from there to working at a prime school, I'd cycle there for lunchtime, work there, then cycle back and work back at the news agents. So I was always pretty active every day. Um, but you're, you're getting pretty great times. Like, do you think that it was just the amount of running that you were doing and how your body adapted to that? Yeah, and because from time to time I push myself to do faster times, and I still think now I could do or should do faster than what I've done already, but I don't push myself or train myself to that point. Yeah, do you think that benefits you then from getting burnt out? I guess so, since the last three weeks I've done like over 1,500 uh, kilometres. Yeah, so the last three weeks you've done over 1,500 kilometres, like that's pretty epic. Um. So talk me through your type of... Mar- <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get your head around it, like, that's why. But see, when you're running through, when you're racing through a marathon, then you said you don't like sort of going into that deep, dark place. Like, but you think that there's a little bit more there that um, you can draw out. But if you're running a sub three marathon based on that level of training, I know your body's adapt- yeah. adapted. Talk to me how you sort of tackle the marathon and the mental aspect of it that you get challenged with going through that event? Knowing that I can do a sub three marathon quite comfortably, it, it's, it certainly helps mentally. Unless it's a really hilly marathon, then obviously it becomes harder. But physically, like I said earlier, I run the first half looking for around like 
between 110 to 120 so that I could do the second half between, say, 140, 150. So I'm still getting a sub three. And it's like a recovery run in the second half. Yeah, so you're not really burning yourself out totally through the marathon. It's very important for you to continue going week after week. Well, sometimes it's not. It was more my body did it more than I I did it, where I could have pushed more in the second half. I ease off, and mm. if I feel something or my legs have got a niggle or something, I don't tend to push through it. I just slow down, yeah. which is annoying because sometimes I could have done that just that little bit better, but then I've achieved so much, so I'm 50 50. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> what about fueling then through the event? Like, what keeps you going? I often get asked, what do I think about, what do I, what do, I do when I'm running the marathon? And a lot of the time is I've got no idea. Um, even like I've been out today and I've done, I think I've done nearly 80 kilometers today. And uh, the first like 15 miles I did today, I joined a lady who's doing Land's End to Drummer Groats. Um, so it was nice to just chat to her. And then when I left her, I ran back along the canal and I'm just looking around and thinking, what am I doing at home? What have I got to sort out ready for tomorrow? Or what music, if I have music on my phone playing. So do you find that it's really just become like a real part of your life? It's just normal? Oh, yeah, it's very normal. <laughs> but it's not like you have to go out and do these miles. Because the question I was going to ask you was, how do you keep yourself motivated day in and day out? But it's just a level of normality that comes with actually doing that. So the last couple of weeks has all been about the virtual races. And that's basically what's kept me going. Uh, three weeks ago, I did a 100-mile event just by uh, choice because a friend sadly passed away that week and he was supposed to have been running a mar- 100 miles that weekend. So I ran 100 miles in mem- his memory and I did it in 20 hours. Then the following week, uh, GB Ultra did the race across Scotland and I got myself a place, which was uh, 215 miles. And I started that on the Saturday, finished on the Monday, and it took me 53 hours to finish the 215 miles. And then this weekend, I did the Backyard Quarantine Ultra. Uh, if you know what a Backyard Ultra is, it's basically it's 100 miles divided by 24. Yeah. And that's the mile, what you're supposed to be doing. And I rounded up to 4.6 every hour, uh, 4.2, sorry, every hour. And I did that for 36 hours so running just over 150 miles so you did the actual online backyard ultra the one that was set up um i think it was dave proctor and the team had sort of yes. set that up so how did you fare out in position wise on that i was sixth one to drop out sixth last person to drop out out of the 120 no 1200 odd that entered it yeah it's, it's very difficult to go past those mild distances like so you hit 150 miles and um, was that your intention pull yes. out at that uh, well no not to pull out of that but i want because i did the first one as well and i wanted to beat the 31 laps i did last time okay. 31 hours and i had to stop last time because the treadmill can be heard by my neighbors so i didn't want to make too much more noise this time it was more where i was tired i was kind of get i was lonely and like weaving across the road I think I could have got another one in and maybe another if the sun had come up. But no, I was happy. I was sat there. I'd done what I wanted. And um, yeah, I was the last last British running. I think I actually read one of Lazarus Lake's posts about some guy over in the UK has actually stopped because of the noise of the treadmill. 
which is pretty epic. Have you done a backyard event in the real world? No. Ooh. No, I haven't, and I want to. Yeah, do you think that's that really where your forte is? No, but I'll still give it a go. <laughs> I need a proper crew because when they, after 33 hours, they talked to me because they wanted, obviously, the data to make sure that I was doing it. And I sent that through while I was, I was on my break. And they, I sat down, and they pressed the button on the screens uh, so they could unmute me. And they were like, can Adam's crew um, unmute him so he can talk? So I got up pressed it. I said, I don't have any crew. And his face and the expression you get was so funny because everyone else had a crew and I didn't. Yeah, it's and it's a big um, benefit, obviously, doing the likes of a backyard. Have you got any backyards your eyes set on? Any that I can get to. Because there's a huge gathering happening. I don't know, well, potentially happening in October anyway. I heard um, there was. Big Dog's Backyard. Is that something you would focus on? If I could get to one or afford to do one, I would absolutely love to do it because it would be interesting to see what I could do it's mentally easier when you can see other people and you know they're going out for another lap so you've got to go a treadmill is very difficult in the room like to motivate yourself to get on over and over again a day and a half into the event well this time i did it on the treadmill and outdoors so i did some outdoors some on the treadmill okay mix it up a little bit yeah um 2015 like it's not long distance isn't obviously new to you but you ran 24 marathons in 17 days you actually won 23 of those marathons i did indeed like that is cr absolutely criminal like um was that your intention did you have a target i, was, I only did it because someone else was doing it uh jaden uh kate jaden was doing the 24 and 17 but she struggled through uh, some of the double days there's like this 14 and 7 because uh, they were separate events which we joined all together Okay. So it was like a double 14 and 7, treble, double or something like that in a single. But she struggled with some of the doubles, so she ended up doing 20 and 17. Um, but you won 23 of those. Like, How does that, like, where do you, I know I said this earlier on, but where do you go from that? <laughs> Again, where do you go? Like, Because um, that must really boost your confidence. Every time I win, it's a boost of confidence. It's They were all different types. I think one of them was actually over a marathon distance. Some were multi-laps, one was out and back, a couple of them were laps. They're all slightly different. Yeah. Do you love that type of multi-day adventure? I do, because I don't have to put as much effort in, if it sounds weird, as you would into a single one. And because the 14 and 7 was quite early on, on the day after that, when we were back to single ones, you just I just kind of like flew through it because I knew I didn't have to do a marathon in the evening and I could rest. Coming out of the back of that, like where was your mindset and what you wanted to do? I just wanted to get on and finish those last marathons because they were all single ones after the doubles. 2016 then, moving into that, you actually ran across the UK. Are you just searching for things to do, like crazy shit to do? I think that might have been the one where I run cycled. So it was two of us and we swapped between the run and cycling. So he would jump on the bike or I would jump on the bike and the other one run. But I did most of the running, but I did cycle now and again. And then we had to carry a torch, which had run across another country, then was coming over here, which we ran it round this country. And then I believe it went over to the States and then ran across the States somewhere. You've won over 200 marathons and ultra marathons. Probably about... 260 i think um yes. more than anybody in the uk like how does your like do you have you struggled with any sort of injuries or is there anything that you focus on for recovery no not really i've had niggles and pains and 
I try and just run through them and stay, try and keep my running style the same. Because if you change running style, you're either going to get injured more or cause another injury. So like now, my top of my legs are quite tight. I will still try and keep my style the same. And you just focus on like flatter courses and things like that and allow your body to recover a little bit? No, um, I just, <laughs> I never really picked specific ones based on being flat or sometimes it was based on local if I could get to it it was closer but a lot of the times it was just if the event was on that weekend that was what I was doing what do you do from a nutrition point of view then what's your diet like pretty bad (laughs) you're not helping us here look we're looking for the secrets and the clues like there's like no training pretty bad diet um the only thing that really I'm pulling out here is that you adapt really well biggest secret is just keep doing it over and over basically plenty of practice i've had i've been doing it for nearly 20 years so yeah that's my secret your body is an amazing tool though isn't it it just changes and adapts to whatever you put it towards but it's almost almost sort of throws all the rule books into the bin or out the window like when you read used to pick up the running magazines like two marathons a year three marathons a year um, you're almost running them every single week consistently and your body has changed and adapted to that. What about running shoes and things like that? Do you, do you change your running shoes very often? Because they're quite expensive. Like No, I don't change them often. I can't afford to. It's, they're just so expensive. If I'm lucky enough, I'll get vouchers from some of the races. To Two weeks ago, I won a pair of shoes from the Outdoor Expo online thing. And within five days of wearing them, I'd already done over 300 miles. Yeah. So I've got no, so I don't know, they're not classed as brand new shoes anymore because they've already done a stupid amount of miles in a short period of time. How long would you get out of a pair of shoes then, on average? I try to make them last for four or five months, even though they're probably way past the recommended wearing. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not heavy footed, so i do lose the comfort but they i can still use them yeah so what do you think when they do say like 350 to 400 miles um do you think that's right things a bit of gibberish in there or depends on there's a lot of factors it depends on the person depends on the shoe depends on where you're running what sort of terrain it, it all adds up and for me i'm not a heavy person so i don't put a lot of pressure on my shoes my style is quite smooth so i don't obviously rub the shoes on the floor too much they do get a pretty much battering from like off-road and stuff because i do tend to wear my off-road shoes uh my road shoes i off-road as well as yeah. on-road what's your favorite road shoe then i whatever one i can get my hands on <laughs> i don't have a well tell a lie i did use the uh pick the a6 gt series because they were a neutral flat but they were a little bit heavy and they were the first kind of shoes i used to pick for the 10 and 10 and now it's just basically whatever i can get my hands on to keep my feet comfortable yeah and do you like do your legs fatigue very much like when your shoes are wearing or things like that um when i got the shoes two weeks ago it was <laughs> two weeks ago fact, yeah it was great to have them at the right time because i had the 215 mile event over the weekend and it made such a difference for comfort-wise. I was wearing them off earlier. It's a little bit more confidence. Yeah, it helps. And what was your most challenging sort of event then over those 260 marathons or ultra marathons? I can't think of one challenge because each one has its own challenge. There's different things. Uh, Snowden, um, towards the end, I fell over, uh, got back up and finished. There's London. Each time I've done London, it's been different every time. 
the weather, the conditions, and uh, the the people and stuff. What about your favourite event? Like, if you were only allowed to do one more, what would you do? It would have to be one that I've not done then, because I really want to do the what used to be called the Country Music Marathon, which I believe is now the Rock and Roll Marathon over in Nashville. That was the one I really want to do. And if I could pick a multi-day one, I'd love to do the seven days, seven continents. Yeah, that's a big one out there. It's a huge huge um price tag on the back of that but it really is a sponsorship run so if anybody out there is looking their name to go around all the continents adam tango holland is the person it's contact i'm not breaking the record i'm up for going for it but what's the longest distance ultra marathon that you've ran good question and i can't think of i've done the wall the rat race the wall which is a 69 is it around 100k anyways your sort of distance no probably 5k to a marathon um i just tend to do some other longer ones now and again i would do more but it's just i can't afford to they're so expensive, yeah, very expensive. <laughs> and why they're expensive yeah. but it, it, they are kind of one-off events if you want to do it and i'd like to have a go at some more of the hundred events you talked about one of your friends there um who's passed away um very recently john ward um, and yeah. you ran your pb marathon actually in 2018 in loch ness yes um, I actually ran with John Ward that day because John was dressed up as an elephant. Yeah, he was indeed. I had a horrendous day. I'd been out for like three months and it was the first day back. But you ran two hours, 24 minutes, 24 seconds. But is that something you really focused on then to try and get your pace down? No, I did a, a hundred mile, hundred kilometer, sorry, event two weeks before. And I did someone else the week before that. But I was in good shape and... I just told myself at the beginning that I'm going to go for it, have a go and see if I can beat my PB. Luckily enough, I had two people that were pretty good pace and I followed them for the first 10 miles or something like that. I can't remember how many miles, but it was quite a few. Then one of them disappeared off into the distance and then the, the other chat then slowly disappeared. And then you, you that got that long slap, slog of a hill. Yeah. And then I could see him more or less nearer the top. And I was catching him as we were going up. And as we went over the top, I got faster going down towards the finish. And I passed him. And then obviously ran in with my arms right ha- happy, crossing the line, coming second. It was yeah. like one of my biggest wins. And do you, think that's, so, do you think it was that competitiveness in you then that sort of pulled that time out? Definitely. Wings for Life, talk to me about that, because you're the UK winner on that. I didn't win it this year. I think I was, I don't know what place it was this year, because uh, it was virtual this year, so you do it from home on a bone sort of thing. But yeah, I went to London to do it at Richmond Park, which was a very hot day. And uh, again, I had to have a mobile, and he, you see a virtual car on it chasing you on a virtual person. You just got to keep running until that virtual car catches your virtual person on the phone. Um, but previous years, I've had it where you actually chase by a car, and once that car passes you, you finish. That unique side of that event is absolutely amazing. And they were supposed to bring that back this year, uh, but sadly it didn't happen yeah i read about it a couple of months ago so the concept is everybody goes out running and there's a sweeper car coming at a certain pace and when it catches you you're out so yeah half an hour after the start the sweeper car starts starts at a slower pace and then every 15 20 minutes its pace slowly increases <laughs> and then chases you down and i think three times i've done it i've been over 50 kilometers i've managed to get to right that's pretty epic like isn't it it's a totally different event you know well thought yeah. out and um, there's not many people there might be many people have actually heard of that event 
It's pretty unique. Whereabouts is that located? All over the world. They have different locations all over the world. They have, I think there's two locations in the UK, uh, usually like Cambridge and maybe London. But it's all, it's happening at the same time all over the world. So some places are in the dark and they have vehicles and it's televised on the Red Bull and you're just watching the screen going, are they going to beat the car? Who's going to actually win which country? And I think this year was actually the GB winner. That's class. Like, it's very unique. Like It's a bit not on like the last man standing sort of event. Different, but it's just, you know, looking for that different sort of dynamic in, in the event. Um, yes. And you were the last person that year anyway to get caught by the car. Yeah. Do you get left back in the car? No, <laughs> luckily. Uh, luckily, I didn't finish too far away from where I started, so I was able to just jog back round. Class. 2018 then was a real big year, which is absolutely astounding, where you broke the world record for 10 marathons in 10 days for the overall average time. Was that your intention? Did you go into that event looking to break the world record? Was it not 2017? 2017, was it? Is that Lake Oath? I think it's 2018. 2017. Oh, 2017. Uh, Wikipedia, by the way. No, I think that was on your website. Maybe I read it wrong. Not sure. I did it in 2018. I went back and did it again, but it was slower. So talk me through that in 2017 and 10 marathons in, world record for 10 marathons in 10 days. Did you go intentionally over there to break that world record? Did you know that was going to nope. happen? Nope, I did not. So I did the GBC 10 in 10 the month before, the month before that, uh, which I averaged under... Three, sub three hours but it was a multi-terrain course and then was that the great barrow challenge yeah. was it yeah it is yeah and then i took part in a seven and seven in the uk averaging around 245 and it finished on the sunday or the monday or something like that and then i started this on the thursday so i didn't have much of a gap so i didn't expect to be running as fast as i did went out there they were fantastic well supported helped because they try and speak english for me um and then the first day i think was 254 and then every day up to day six i got faster and faster and then day six i did a 237 i think it was or 236 and at that point i was like over the moon yeah, i'm uh, sure you were like that's absolutely crazy the one of the reasons why i got faster then on that day as well was because I'd also beat the free and free record, which I still haven't claimed for. I need to claim for that record. But that's absolutely mental. Like, how was your body uh, like keeping up with that? Because it's one thing running week after week, but when you're running day after day with that type of, I want to call it intensity, but it doesn't feel like it is intensity for you because it's just that type of normal pace that your body's used to. It was a two-lap course, so out and back. You see the other runners, so they cheer you on, which really helped. In the evenings, we would go have meals, uh, socialise sort of thing. So it's not like after I'd finished, I'd just sit around, do nothing. I'd walk around, stay active, go back to my hotel, then have probably some food and then a little break. And then we'd all go out on a bus. And they did like a tour of the Italy around the lake and gave us information about it. Yeah, that's crazy. But you weren't focusing on like, you know, coming straight back, jumping into like an ice bath or a hot Epsom salt bath and eating loads of protein and then making sure you had like 10 hours sleep and getting a masseur and all of these lovely things that would keep your body going. No, I don't do any of that. <laughs> he went on the bus tour. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the two on the sixth marathon when you ran 230. I think it was 236. Um, 
Like, how did that happen? Because I knew I was on for the three and three record. I just went for it. I just carried on, got faster, and I knew roughly what time I'd be at what place. So I knew I was getting faster as I was getting closer. Yeah, that is criminal. Like, so how did you feel the next day after doing that? Because it's a bit risky pushing out that pace. I. I felt the same as I did any other day. I was a little bit tired, and I did run slower that day because I'd done my target time. I'd smashed it. I, but then day seven, I think, uh, I think I did like a 2.49 or 2.48, and then got a little bit quicker on day nine and ten. Or yeah. eight, nine and ten. So you knew at that point, obviously, you knew around day eight or nine that you were going to break the world record. Do you think you could have run on further, like day 11 and day 12? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I already knew the answer <laughs> even before I asked. I have done it as well. Yeah, what, what's the most marathons you ran? The 24 and 17 days is oh, the yeah. most I've run. Um, I did the GBC 10 and 10 and then went and did another marathon and finished second. I think I did a, like a 2.45, a different marathon. Even during the GBC on the third night and fourth night, I took part in a 5K and a five-mile race in the evening. And last year, I actually came back and won it. <laughs> and what was your average time then for the world record? It is uh, 2.45. The actual whole time is uh, 27 hours, 38 minutes and 36 seconds. So what is it do you think that keeps you running? Or do you think you could hang up the shoes tomorrow? Mm, I could hang up the shoes if I had something else that I wanted to, for a reason I would hang up the shoes. So you have to have something that's pulling you forward, some sort of focus and direction, some aim, yeah. some target. So you talked about the virtual runs there. You're actually doing the Finn the Cool Challenge at the minute, which is our own virtual run. Um, <laughs> I look, looked at the leaderboard <laughs> before we come on to the podcast, and you're up. We're on the ninth day. You're 488 kilometers. It's pretty unique, actually. There's quite a gathering of people there. Um, yeah. It's 1,350 kilometers. You've got 16 weeks to do it. Um, but... Unless you've run over 300 kilometers so far on day nine, you're not even in the top 10. It's quite um, a competitive group. We have Connor Fitzpatrick. Do you know Connor? Mm, doesn't ring a bell. Um, he's at 466 kilometers. So he's only 22 kilometers behind yourself. A little bit more than that because mine needs to be updated. <laughs> that's a sneaky thing about it as well, isn't it? Well, I've done 80 kilometers today, so that's not on there. Yeah, that is. I only updated it yesterday. That is absolutely crazy. And we also have Terry Belowski. She won the great virtual race across Tennessee. Was she in the lead to start off with? Terry was in the lead. And we also had Sharon Gator then who jumped into the lead as well. So the, the, the thing that we don't know is whether or not people have updated it. <laughs> so that's what we don't know. Um, but 488 kilometers, add another 80 kilometers. You're on 560, almost 570 kilometers in almost nine days. Like you are really hammering this home. Like You're really going for it. Yeah, well, it helps because I was going for the Red Bull Challenge and I'm probably going to go out for a marathon tonight uh, because if I do that, then I'm num number one in the world if the other chat doesn't go for a run later. Number one in the world for the amount of distance. So I was looking at your Strava as yeah. well. I took a sneak preview of that. I thought he's actually, he's going for the biggest month in July because um, you have like, how many miles, how many kilometers have you run in July alone? I don't know off the top of my head. So this week, so far, I'm just under 300 kilometers. Uh, last week was 415. And the week before, 
not including Monday, I think it was about 450. So at the minute, you're number one in the world for the amount of distance ran. For the Strava Challenge and the Red Bull Challenge, I'm second at the moment. And how far ahead is the the guy in front? As of this morning, he was 24 miles, I think, which is why I'm doing a marathon later, to hopefully be ahead. That is crazy, like... By the time tonight, I should be over 600 kilometers for your event. Like, that's pretty mental. It's only the 18th of July. Um, how's the body faring out at the minute? Legs are tight on the top, but apart from that, doing all right. The virtual challenges have been a bit of a godsend, really, during this COVID, haven't they? They have. It certainly helps, and it's been nice that there's been a very uh, variation of different ones, not just all the same. Uh, do you think that's changed the dynamics of virtual challenges going forward? I think I reckon it's going to be more of a standard thing now, where virtual will be there but hopefully in the near future i'll be next to people racing against them Mm. and hopefully watching them stay behind before we go here talk to me about the the flapjack tango what's that about (laughs) is that the secret that i'm looking for out of this podcast uh flapjackery do a flapjack called tango obviously after my nickname and it is very nice and it's an orange flavor uh, they haven't got it on sale at the moment because of the corona thing because they uh, did a flatjack to raise money for the NHS. Okay, but very good. I, yeah, so hopefully when things have settled down, they'll have my flatjack back out again. So I've seen that you had posted about your online um, running course. Um, can you talk to me about that? So faster, stronger and longer is the vision. I've got that much experience in running. It just seems like... You know, your body's adapted so well. To hold the world record for 10 marathons in 10 days um, at 2.45 a marathon. I'm surprised you haven't been coaching a lot sooner. But can you talk to me if I was to come to you and look, look, looking to go onto your plan? What would that involve? So I set up the coaching course in January. I had a nice group. I did them all an individual uh, training plan, uh, what they would need to do. I asked them, obviously, what distance they were looking to do. So it was either 5k, 10k, half or marathon. And over the the couple of months, it was fantastic to see the improvements and they were getting quicker. Because you have, you've got great PB time in your 5k. It's like 15 minutes and 31 seconds. So you've got a huge range, you know, from 5k pace, 15 minutes and all the way to 10 marathons in 10 days, you know, running two hours, 45 so you've got a great experience there. You can tailor any sort of plan to any sort of person, depending on what their specific goals are going to be. And it's really up to people then just to contact you. How can they contact you? So if they are, they are looking for a training plan or some sort like that, they can go on to the uh, Run It Your Way website. Um, it's also on Facebook. And if they they are looking for a specific training course then they can just message me and we can talk about the the training course and the the cost and stuff uh, but at the moment i actually haven't got a, a a group planned one at the moment but i'm happy to do individuals if people are looking yeah 100% like um so if you want to gain some of adam's experience make sure you contact him especially during this time of covid and there's no races it's a great time to build a great base ready for when those races start to open up um adam thanks very much i know it's short and sweet like but thanks for your time i appreciate that oh thank you for chatting to me yeah it it seems that to be the message is just forget about everything you've read Just get out there and run. You know, you can do a lot of, you can overcomplicate things. Like you can talk too much about it. 
really putting on the power running shoes, lacing up and just getting a few miles in is the best way really to progress. Don't make it complicated. Yeah, don't overcomplicate it. I done my best to squeeze out all Adam's secrets and the only takeaway was don't overcomplicate it folks, just run. I found an application that's great potential to improve sound quality and remove the need for editing. Without this, the podcast future is at risk due to time constraints. I've not been able to use a couple of the last episodes, which is extremely frustrating. So I'm reaching out to you, the listener, to help support the future of the podcast by donating £10, which will cover the subscription costs over the next two years. I've added the link in the show notes, so let's pull together and make the podcast world-class. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.